This is Laura with our trigger warnings for this episode. Um, in this episode, we discuss alcoholism, racism, and ableism. So please take care of yourselves, and we hope you enjoy this episode. How does that make you feel? Weird, I said. All right, all right, that's it, the sports guy said. We're out of here. Did I say something wrong, I asked. You are a little asshole, the sports guy said. Wow, are you allowed to say that to me? I'm just telling the truth. He had a point there. I was being a jerk. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. Reading Rainbows. Welcome to episode 11. Hey! Of... Spreading Rainbow, the podcast where we read books that we were supposed to read in high school or middle school or whatever, and we try to dissect why we had to read them, whether it was worth it, and we try to make fun of them, except when they're really serious, and we can't really do that. Yeah, we gotta keep it kosher. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it helps if the books make fun of themselves, kind of like mm. like in this one. We read The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie. Also illustrated by Ellen Forney. Can't forget that. Yes. Can't forget that. Yes, it's a very is. visual book for sure, mm-hmm. which was great for me because although I listened to this book, um, I listened to it on YouTube and it was read by some rando and that rando gave you like mm. the illustrations alongside it. So I didn't yeah. get, to, I didn't miss out this time. Okay. So we chose this book because as you may know, November is the month of Thanksgiving, but it's also Native American Heritage Month because Thanksgiving, you know, it kind of celebrates the pilgrims and the Native Americans getting along peacefully, but that's, we all know that's not what happened. Yeah, it's a little so, bit problematic. Yeah, so to try to honor Native American Heritage Month, we decided to find a book that was written by Native American author. And let me tell you, it was a little hard to fit it in the yeah. context of what we normally have to do, which is like, books that you read in school because guess what we're you know as kids laura and i growing up we weren't that exposed in a uh academic setting to Mm -hmm. narratives from native americans no yeah we were looking at lists and we were like we these are cool books but we didn't have to read them in high school or middle school and i mean it's a little different now i think but like yeah growing in our times which was the 2000s or something. When they were lying to us. And, yeah, you know. when they were still trying to gloss that over. Um, yeah, options were limited. And I remember this single book in my own memories. Well, we're jumping the gun a little bit. But I will say, like, I didn't have to read this book in school. But I did read a short essay by Sherman Alexie in college slash high school when I had, like, a weird phase where I was taking an English <laughs> class at a college um, and it was Superman and Me, which talks about reading and writing and mm. Alexi's relationship with the two. But I didn't have to read this one. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, that podcast is over then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because that's Thanks all I have. <laughs> See you next month. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Oh, man. I didn't have to read this. It was never required, but it was always, like, an option. It was in libraries. And when there was, like, choice book units, I remember it being an option. Um 
which is, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a little different than centering Native American narratives and exposing the truth about how Native Americans have been oppressed in our country, you know, a little uh, far yeah. from that kind of goal. Um, like, what what grades was that usually offered? Like, what, middle school? Or like yeah, school I would or? say middle school, which for me was 6th to 8th grade. I know some people have different systems, and I don't yeah. understand any of them. Sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But I feel like, I will get into this later, but I feel like this is a pretty good book to introduce like a lot of the problems Native Americans face mm-hmm. for a middle schooler. If- or uh, it's it's very readable. Like yeah, it doesn't it's not like hand holding, but it guides you through really well. It's a very smooth experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But before we get into that, let's just talk about uh you know what our month has been. I'll I'll say one oh. thing. For me personally pretty crappy <laughs> pretty, oh. pretty crappy start but um you know daylight savings time happened oh, and yeah i freaking hate daylight savings time i even hate the name i don't even know what's dst <laughs> not a fan no um i work at a coffee shop and i've worked at coffee shops before and something i always remember that makes dsts like so much worse is usually when you get out it's around like 5 or 6 p.m. Mm. at night and it is totally dark <laughs> and like it's it's just it's bedtime and you're like well day's over and yeah. i just had a whole week where i was sick not sick with the rona oh got tested negative for that but i was mm-hmm. sick and it made me sad um not going to like kind of wish it was the rona because then well i don't know isn't there like a myth of mm-hmm. like if you get COVID once, you can't what? get it again. Like, strep? Yeah, that's a myth, though. That's a I'm myth, sure. damn. All right. Well, then I guess I'm glad But also, who knows it. what's freaking true with all these things? But just wear your masks, people. Please. Yeah. Damn. Just do that, please. But how, how's your month been? Uh, my month has been... Uh, all right. Almost positive, I think. Um, and not oh, in no. the testing sense. <laughs> no, because, okay, oh, listen. Good. I've, had, I've had some achievements. Um, I had a mathematics research paper published in an undergraduate journal um yeah if you want to know what you can message us email us actually i'm gonna motivate you email us if you want to know what it is which i don't think yeah um and i reached my reading goal for the year i set out to read 52 books for the year and i'm at 53 now (laughs) but my ankles have been bothering me and that's pretty sad times Mm -hmm. um so i don't know maybe one day They'll just pop off my body, but for oh my now God. they're just kind of sore. <laughs> when my ankles pop off. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just blast off my body. Maybe, possibly on the brighter side, I feel like November's been going, like, pretty snappy for me. Like, it's really been mm. popping off, just like your ankles. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just like, I, oh it's God. already, like, what? Uh, okay, I, is Thanksgiving on, it's always on the 4th? thursday or it's Correct. always on yeah. the 24th of no it's the fourth thursday oh, okay well like we're already almost to the week of thanksgiving and i'm like shook mm-hmm. wait fun fact capitalist fact it used to be thanksgiving was on the last thursday of every month but businesses of every were... single month no <laughs> the last used thursday to be... of Oh my god, yeah. Every a 12 month. month affair. And people were like, this is too much now. <laughs> okay, so it used to be that Thanksgiving was on the last Thursday of November. But businesses 
um, got it changed because they were like, if it's on the last Thursday of the month and it's the fifth Thursday, the shopping season's too short before th- Christmas for us to make enough profit. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is capitalist. Yeah, so they got to change to the fourth Thursday of the month so people have enough time to spend their freaking money. When it's the fifth Thursday, it's too freaking late for all the capitalists. <laughs> yeah, man. Ah, oh, man, I hate capitalism. Anyways, um, speaking of this holiday season and spending your money, um, I would like to bring our attention to, we're going to just like slip into the Black Lives Matter Ooh, yeah. organizations and individuals, and I'm going to start out with my individual and it is a baker named Sabrina who Ooh. owns Runaway Bake Shop and um, everything she does is vegan and then it's gluten free upon request. A couple months ago it was my brother's birthday and he's basic. He's a gluten free vegan who can eat meat so we got a chocolate cake and it was delicious. I will link the website in the episode notes and then she also has an instagram at runaway bake shop what about you laura my person that i am promoting um is author mickey kendall um she wrote she's wrote hood feminism which is a book i'm currently reading um it is very readable accessible nice um So she's a writer, diversity consultant, and um, like just general feminist who talks a lot about intersectionality, policing, gender, sexual assault, and other uh, current events and relevant topics. So she writes a lot of essays and she writes books. Um, and yeah, I think that her writing style is very accessible, but also like not fluffy. Like she's cutting to the chase mm-hmm. about what needs yeah. to be done. Um, and I would recommend her and following her and consuming her content. That's a fair point, though, because I read a lot of books... Because I'm, okay, so I'm also listening to Hood Feminism, and I've talked about this before, but when you listen to a book, if there's a bunch of statistics, that's, like, one of the biggest downsides, because, like, at least for me, I hear numbers, and I'm like, that does not mean anything. Like, any Mm -hmm. value it holds is gone. But, as I'm listening to Hood Feminism, that also has statistics and all these, like, put it into perspective facts Mm -hmm. uh, and figures, uh, I'm actually, like retaining and feeling the weight of what she's saying so yeah 10 10 would recommend speaking of other books that i'm reading the organization that i've chosen is an organization called well-read black girl and i found out about this because the book that i'm reading right now of the same name is written by glory edom and it's an organization that supports black girls and women and non-binary writers so they have a instagram which is at well read black girl but then on their website i'll read the blurb that they have and it says well read black girl is a book club dedicated to black women writers our goal is to introduce a co- a cohort of diverse writers to future generations contemporary authors who are non-binary queer trans and disabled to address inequalities and improve communities through reading and reflecting on the works of black women. But I would just recommend that because if, if one of your goals like mine this year is to expand who the writers are that you're mm-hmm. reading, this is a great resource to turn to. Mm. Nice. For my organization, I've kind of been following the news about how Detroit is really come under fire for voter suppression. Like um, how it's a you know, a black majority city, but they're trying to discredit their votes because they're like, oh, they reported more votes than people. And that's not true, y'all. So I was just trying to look at different like Detroit local organizations. And I found Detroit 
people's platform. So they are a collective that works on community organization. Um, a lot of their goals focus on like transit justice, affordable housing, and family wellness. Um, but they mm. also just generally try to um, organize advocacy and connection um, with the focus of race in building an equitable futures for their citizens. Um, they don't have a donate page, but you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They also have YouTube, apparently. So we will share those links um, in the episode description, and you should go check them out. Then also, there's a connection sort of between Mickey Kendall and my goal with this organization. Mickey Kendall talks a lot about how with feminism, things like access to food and access to clean water and housing are usually not considered feminist um issues issues yeah because a lot of feminism prioritizes um like white women's comfort whereas mm. women of color are much more focused on like being able to yeah. feed their families and um, take care of themselves so um this organization focuses on some of those more basic needs so there's just a little connection there that's um, those two kind of informed each other mickey kendall also talks a lot about trickle down um feminism and how it's this false idea that Obviously, white women have, like, a lot more power in society, and it's, uh, the myth is that, oh, if we serve white women, then, like, eventually, uh, women of color, black women and trans women, they'll get, they'll get some of the benefits, but that is just not the case, because, you know. Right, like, how can we move forward if we can't all move forward in the, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great read, guys, but we're, uh, really ahead of ourselves at this point. (laughs) Yes. Okay, we're really jumping, we're really popping off. Yeah. Uh, So definitely check out those links, and I'm just going to go jump right into the Goodreads blurb. This one is a little longer than what we've had in our last few books. Like, the last few books, they've been short and sweet. This one is longer. Best-selling author Sherman Alexie tells the story of Junior, a budding cartoonist growing up on the Spokane Indian Reservation. Determined to take his future into his own hands, Junior leaves his troubled school on the res to attend an all-white farm town high school where the only other Indian is the school mascot. Heartbreaking, funny, and beautifully written, The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, which is based on the author's own experiences, coupled with poignant drawings by Ellen Forney that reflect the character's art, chronicles the contemporary adolescence of one Native American boy as he attempts to break away from the life he was destined to live. Okay, so now it's my turn to do our summary. Um, So this book is about Junior, uh, a.k.a. Arnold Spirit. And he's like uh, 13 or 14, I don't really know. Uh, He's like 8th grade or something. And he's he's growing up on the Spokane Reservation. Um, And one day his teacher, Mr. P, drops a little bomb on him. He says, you have to leave this reservation, like, forever. Um, Forever and ever and ever and ever. (laughs) And Arnold's like, what? But he takes this advice, and he transfers to the school in Reardon, which is majority white. And I think it's, like, kind of all white is what's implied. Um, So he goes there, and then he faces all these, like, social pressures, you know, like, girls. And his best friend's mad at him, and all those people on the reservation are mad at him. But he's also trying to, like, fit in and, like, get good grades and join the basketball team at this white school. And he, that's the majority of the book, is him dealing with these things. And this is really a coming-of-age thing. Like, he has to make decisions and make friends, but at the end, he goes home for the summer and I think is a bit more at peace with these two 
different lives he leads. And that's it. Great. And we can just jump straight into the unanswered questions. Okay, I did not... There wasn't a lot of mystery here. Yeah. In terms of, like, you know, what was going on with the plot. It was a very transparent plot. No, I I would agree. Um, I feel like this book reminded me a lot of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I mean, like, I'm hesitant to compare it to that because that's just, like, a, a white author... And, like, I don't even know which one came first, so maybe it very well could be that Diary of the of a Wimpy Kid reminds mm. me of this book. Absolutely true. Diary of a Part-Time Indian and Diary of a Wimpy Kid both came out in 2007. They came out months apart. Oh. Yeah. That one came out in April of 2007. This one came out in September of 2007. Hmm. So, they're not too far off. There were a couple of questions that I had. Like, for example, like, Junior is at his grandmother's funeral... And then there's that white guy who comes to the funeral, and he's like, here's oh, a yeah. powwow suit, and I think it was your grandmother's. And then he, and then it turns out that it was not true, and they were just like, yeah, um, yeah, we would, like, this isn't even part of, like, this garment isn't even something we'd use in a powwow, so mm-hmm. you're wrong. I'm just, my question is just like, how does this white man come back from that? And like, what did he do? Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> How could you recover? Yeah, good God. Like, one time, one time oh I God. went into a liquor store, and I was like, I would like this wine, please. Obviously, the liquor store attendant knew things about liquor, because that's why they work there. But they were like, oh, this person who made this wine makes a lot of other really good ones. And I tried to, like, I guess, play along and be like, oh, I think I've had this other one by them. And they were and they're like, oh, no, that's not possible. This person doesn't make that one. And I was like, what the? <laughs> and I haven't gone back since. So how does this white man come, come in here, be told he's wrong, and, like, I want to know what his next move was. Not because he's a white man, but yeah. just, I'm just like, did, did he sell the suit? Did he, like, go to a different Indian reservation and try and pass it off again? Like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> Is this just a con to gain nothing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my god. What do you tell your friends? Like, oh, how was your trip to the Indian reservation that you were <gasps> really excited about? Because you know, like, if this man was confident enough to walk onto the reservation and boast about this, you know he told his other white friends. At someone's funeral! At someone's funeral! Yeah, like, read the room. Yeah. And his, his story was that, like, oh, someone sold it to me, and they had obviously stolen it, and I've had it all these years, and I've, like, been, like, what do I do with it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I did have a question kind of about the ending. Okay, so at the end, so Junior and his friend Rowdy, they've kind of had a rough time of it, because Rowdy, he's his best friend, but when, when he decided to leave the reservation, his friend stopped talking to him, he was, like, what, try to, like, not beat him up, but, like, try to beat him in basketball, which is, like, the same thing, but... <laughs> Um, at the end, they're playing ball again, but Junior reminisces on this time where they both climbed a gigantic tree, and it sounds like this tree is 20 stories tall, um, and how they climbed to the top and back down again, and I guess I was just wondering what you thought was the significance of ending with that story, um, like, why at the end did he just reach back for this memory about climbing this giant tree, which is also next to a possibly haunted lake? Basically, any time, like, a character talks about Anytime there's a tree climbing thing, like my inner theater kid comes out, <laughs> and I think about this at Dear Evan Hansen when he climbs a tree and then falls and breaks his arm, oh. and then he's talking about how he's all alone and very sad. But, um, like, 
I was also a little confused about that. That is one, like, we talk about how each of the stories are pretty much, you take them at face value, Not a, there's not a bunch of mystery around it. But this one, there yeah. was. I think I kind of interpreted it as closure for Rowdy and Junior. Because isn't it when mm-hmm. he, they're up in the tree, Junior also says, like, come to Reardon with me and, like, start your future? Is that a thing? No, I think that's after. They stay up there and Rowdy's like, it's pretty. I've never seen anything so pretty. And then he farts. And then they climb back down. <laughs> See, this is it. That's the story. But I want to say, like, whenever I think about climbing trees, I think about in Twilight. Oh! The movie. Where Edward and Bella, they, like, spider monkey up a tree. Yeah, and he says, better hold on, spider monkey. Of all the things you remember in life, I'm glad that that's one of them. Beautiful. Um, oh, my God. Anyway. Yeah, I don't... Like, of all the stories and the fact that it's second to last, I think I just took it as, like... It's supposed to be a snapshot of, like, a heartfelt moment, and then it ends kind of... The fart really does bring it back to, like, the storyline of, like... Mm-hmm. Remember, we were talking about an adolescent... These adolescent boys. I think... I get the point, maybe, of, like, sharing that story about Rowdy and um, Junior, just because, like, they are... Like, this, this whole time, when, like, they're fighting and when Rowdy's not talking to him, Junior's still like, oh, he's still my best friend. Like, we're still best friends. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's just a story about how strong their friendship is, that Rowdy's like, let's go up in this tree, and Ronald Jr.'s like, well, I don't really want to, but sure. That's a fair point, because I guess, like, what is a best friend then, you know? Rowdy is, like, introduced and referred to as Junior's best friend. Junior knows that Rowdy is his best friend because he doesn't beat Junior up. But then after that, like, the story, any other story involving Rowdy is Rowdy being angry at Junior for leaving the res. So I think this is, like, the only moment, not the only moment, but, Mm. like, Towards the end of the book, this is finally a moment where we see them acting like friends together and not just Junior saying, we would be best friends right now, but right now, like, Rowdy's angry at me or something. But yeah, that's that a brings good point. me to another question about what a frickin' best friend is, because Junior mm. is like, Rowdy's my best friend, but he beats me up, and, like, sometimes I like to draw pictures of him. But then I know he's-, he's got other friends, like, he makes friends with some white kids at his school, like Gordy, Penelope and Roger. At first they weren't his friends and they would bully him, but then at one point they decided that he's cool, but he's having a lot more friendly interactions with them. Yeah. But he also, like, lies. There's a point where he is going out for, like, a midnight breakfast thing. For, like, Denny's or something. (laughs) Quick Denny's trip. Normalize it. Yeah. Um, He doesn't have any money, but he doesn't tell his friends, but then they kind of just know. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, and then like, Junior never doubts, like, he misses Rowdy. He's never like, oh, Rowdy's in the wrong or anything like that. Like, he understands why Rowdy's mad. Yeah. And he, like, still cares for him. This doesn't have to go on the podcast, but I'm like, but we're best friends. And that's different from, like, other yeah. best friends, you know? Yeah, well, that's that can't go in the podcast. Yeah. Listen, we, two okay. co-hosts, are very good friends. Dare I say best friends? I don't know. <laughs> but then there's also those memes where it's like, good friends will help oh, yeah. you if you fall down best friends will laugh at you and kick you in the face and i'm like oh my god i don't want, oh I don't want, go- I don't or, want best friends then i just want to turn this into a rant like one of the things where it's like oh like you know who your real friends are by the ones who are reaching out to each other in quarantine and it's like yo everybody's in crisis mode yeah. right now so calm down okay yeah, <laughs> like not everybody has the time yeah and also like think about if you so sure you can think about that and apply that to your friends like oh this friend isn't making time for me blah 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 but then turn it back mm-hmm. on yourself people that's a mirror because how many people do you know that you're not reaching out to you know right 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. get off your high horse. I mean, yeah, we, we've talked about this. We, like, I came into this realization earlier this year that, like, I was, there's some people that I was like, oh, why don't they want to hang out with me? Or, like, why aren't they inviting me to stuff? And I'm like, well, Laura, you're not doing it for them, like, at all. So, it's okay to acknowledge that, like, this is not what we're at because you're not doing it. You're not reaching out to them. You're not texting them, asking them to go places, following their instas or whatever. Yeah. Like, and it's okay. Like, no one did anything wrong. Yeah. It's just where it's okay to acknowledge that that's where you're at. That's the state Snaps. of your friendship. Snaps. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. All right, we so figured I, it out. We know what a best you. friend is. It's uh, whatever you put in. All right, answer, answer found. Boom. Well, uh, <laughs> let's move on from our unanswered questions, which are now answered, um, straight into the intended takeaways and judgments. Okay, so can I take a lead on this? Yes, go ahead, take it. Great. Okay, Pop so off. my print book. Sorry. My print book um, also comes with a bunch of, like, it's like bonus features on a DVD. Um, it comes with a discussion guide. And, you know, uh, like, who freaking uses the discussion guides in books? Not that, I know, also wonder that. Efforts wasted. Yeah. It's bold of you to assume that I, like, want to have a discussion about this and not just let it ruminate <laughs> in my mind. Very bold. Yeah. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. In the first one, the title talks about how... It's a, you know, it's an absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian. Like, what are they, what are they getting at when they say part-time Indian? Um, mm. And so that's, I think, so one of the kind of takeaways is this idea of identity and how, like, Junior, when he's, like, at Reardon, the white school, like, they all can notice that he's Native American and they will make fun of him for it or, like, treat him differently because of it. Whereas at home, like, he's just a part of the community. It's not, like, as noticed. I think that's one angle of like the part-time Indian yeah, thing. You yeah. know? The way that I saw it, when, if we think about the title and a part-time Indian, I saw more of Junior's peers and how they see him. And by peers, mm-hmm. I mean like his peers from the res because they see him as like a part-time Indian because every time he leaves, people like Rowdy like see it as him trying to turn away from his identity as, a, as an Indian. So they'd be like, oh, he's a part-time Indian because he doesn't really want to admit like that's truly who he is. Um, the second topic I think I, that these discussion questions brought up was, um, Junior's use of art and his use of, like, cartoons throughout the book. Like, he illustrates, like, his grandmother sometimes. Like, oh, my grandma has a bandana on her head. She's got this, like, flowery dress, um, purchased in 1972 for $10. Uh, I think one of the takeaways is that this use of art is meant to encourage, um, different, you know, ways of processing the world. It's very useful and very, like cathartic i think for junior and when he can draw mm-hmm. things and like put things in that perspective yeah the absolutely true diary of a part-time indian is not a memoir but it is like very oh. closely <laughs> similar to the life of sherman alexi like like alexi makes a comment and he says like if i had to guess in as a percentage it's like 78 percent true or something and that's pretty similar also to mm-hmm. house on mango street which is written by sandra cisneros but the main character is not like has a different name i think it's also really similar because both authors at least the way I interpreted it they both write their books very specifically towards their audience so like Cisneros if you remember wrote in vignettes because she knows her audience doesn't have time to sit down and read these very huge chapters she writes like really quick short Mm. stories and I think with Alexi in the text even Junior says that education is really poor and there's on the reservation and so i think he mm-hmm. intentionally included these cartoons because they're another format to engage 
with his audience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if words are not your forte, here are pictures, and you can still somewhat follow along or, like, gain a story from those illustrations. So that Mm -hmm. in that way, like, the two really reminded me of each other. And then it also reminded me, in the end of House on Mango Street, one of the major themes that we picked out was leaving Mm. and then returning again. Escape and return. Back to 10th grade again. And at the end of Alexi's book, it talks about him leaving. Not so much of the return, but it is like, I have to leave the reservation. And my people on the reservation kind of know that. And they're kind of... That's why there's not always Mm -hmm. positive feelings associated with that. Because there's either jealousy or there's feelings of abandonment or something. And you know, like, the place that you're growing up is kind of toxic. So in that sense, those two heavily reminded me of each other. And of course, like, because it's about a Native American boy, it's introducing Mm -hmm. a lot of struggles that a lot of Native Americans face, such as alcoholism. Poverty's a huge one. The illustration of poverty in this book is... I think surprisingly, like, it's surprisingly illustrative, I think, for, like, a young audience. Mm -hmm. Just talking about, like, cyclical or, um, like, impoverishment. I don't know if that's the best word. Because uh, there's this quote, thank you, discussion guide, for providing Mm -hmm. this for me, um, from the book. It sucks to be poor, and it sucks to feel like that you just somehow deserve to be poor. You start believing that you're poor because you're stupid and ugly. And then you start believing that you're stupid and ugly because you're Indian. And because you're Indian, you start believing you're destined to be poor. It's an ugly circle, and there's nothing you can do about it. Poverty doesn't give you strength. It teaches you it teaches you lessons about perseverance. No, poverty only teaches you how to be poor. I think, like, in my experience, I went to, like, a training once for one of my jobs about cultural competency or something um but we talked a lot about poverty and they really emphasize that yeah like when you're poor it's so so harmful to your mental health and your like the way you see yourself people will think like oh you just need to have financial literacy Mm -hmm. or you need to save better like you just don't know better then it's like no there's all of these things keeping you down and there's no way out and it's so hard for people who are do not come from that to like understand Mm -hmm. that i think it is so important that like sherman alexia included that in this book and yet points out all the differences like he's like as junior like i have been to 37 funerals in my lifetime and he's Mm -hmm. a like a teen and that is like for reasons of like you know have they been oppressed how they haven't don't have access to the same health resources don't have access to like all these things well and i think that also another takeaway that i got from it was how the res relationships either are similar and or different to like other relationships that he has with people especially because Mm -hmm. the res is like its own community and so he's going to 37 different funerals because when people on the reservation die Mm. it like impacts the whole community it's not just at least for me i can say like that's just not how my web of connections are built but when he's on the res yeah it is just so different and well i think it was also just interesting because his relationship with his family seemed a lot more complex than like than what i was expecting like for example Mm -hmm. with his dad like straight off the bat he says that his dad is an alcoholic um but he still Mm. has all these good things to say about his dad and so many moments where he's experiencing joy with his father versus maybe focusing on all the times that he was drunk or you know like creating making bad choices like there's this one story where he talks about his dad has money and so he goes out and he's uh, binge drinking and then he comes home and his and junior says like hey dad can i have some money and his dad gives him five dollars and so rather than focusing on like 
he had all this money and he spent it and he wasted it all away. He says he, mm-hmm. you know, he came back from a drinking binge, but he saved me five dollars and he could have spent that five dollars on something else, but instead he like had mm-hmm. the strength to save it for me. And I think I, would, I was just not expecting that honesty from a book, especially as for a middle schooler to see that. Yeah, I think the the way he illustrates his parents is like really. Yeah, complex, because... So sometimes they aren't able to get him to school and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But he's like, they always try. Like, they always try to get the money to get the gas to go to school. And they always try to get to my games. And he's he sees other, like, parents of the white mm-hmm. kids. Like, they don't make that yeah. effort. Are we ready to move on to... Ratings? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, ratings. Uh, I think we should note that this book has been, like, banned a lot because it talks about, like, some pretty serious things. Mm-hmm. Such as, like, you know, alcohol abuse, child abuse. This is the R word. Yes, this book has been either, like, challenged or been banned entirely from a lot of reading lists. But mm-hmm. to go into my rating, honestly, I would give this, like, a 9 out of 10. Because mm-hmm. to bring up, again, all these very serious and heavy topics... For mm-hmm. a middle schooler, I think it did an excellent job. I, maybe it's because the narrator is supposed to be the same age as the audience, but it, like, mm-hmm. really disguises it, and so you don't really think about, like, oh, yeah, like, we're just learning about, like, how alcoholism is a prevalent issue on a reservation. Or I would also go with 9 out of 10, because, yeah, I agree. I think that it is so, like, it's so readable and very approachable, but it doesn't hold back from these hard things. It doesn't romanticize yeah. anything. It's a rich, yeah, like, it's a rich life. It's a very rich, yeah. like, book. It's coming from Sherman Alexi, too, from who is, like, a Native American. Like, it's, it has weight, yeah. you know? I say, okay, yeah, I would, I would give it one more. I think that, um, if they discussed, like, the disability... Um, that Junior has a bit more. He talks a lot about it in the beginning, and obviously how his health was affected. But it would be interesting to see, like, more light shed on how it affected his life. A bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, like like I said, there's, like, it's, you know, 78% true, whatever. So, Sherman Alexi yeah. does actually have, you know, what Junior described yeah. as water on the brain, but it's called hydrocephalus i think alexi talks about it in his other writing like in superman and me he talks about it because it affects how he Mm -hmm. engages with his reading and his writing but i agree like it would have been interesting to if that were to be incorporated more in his story so yeah that's where that's the one the one star i'm holding back on i guess (laughs) and for me i don't know i think tens for me are just really unattainable so that's why but it was probably one of my top favorite books that we've read on this podcast yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. I didn't really like. Okay, I gotta be honest. This seems like it's marketed towards boys. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's fair to yeah. say? Yeah. yeah I do. So I was kind of like, oh, is there gonna be like gendered stereotypical jokes, like farts and stuff? And obviously there was. <laughs> and there like, was. Um, <laughs> but it was. I also think like again a very balanced and complex story. And it's not like those characters are only boys and men. It's you know, he interacts with a lot of women and girls mm-hmm. in his life. And objectifies them. No, just kidding. Kind yeah, of. He d- it, do- it does. Yeah. It, yeah, and it doesn't say, really... It's, I wouldn't say it's... Like, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and say that it's told from the first-person perspective of an adolescent boy. Like, unfortunately, they're not yeah. known to be the most respectful and, you know, kids in the universe. Right, okay, that's... Yeah, that is another star I would hold back on, is the... Yeah, that. Because it's not... I wouldn't say it's particularly feminist, but it's also, like... 
still really good yeah. for what it is. That's very yeah. I, I don't know if I'd consider this a feminist text either, but yeah, awesome. <laughs> Let's move on to recommendations. I've already recommended this before, but like I'm not only recommending this because it reminded me, or I think it's similar to the book that we read, but I'm mm-hmm. recommending it because this is like one of my top favorite books, and it is Indian Horse by Richard Wagamese. Which I had read earlier this year, so I probably recommended it like the third or fourth episode. And it is about mm-hmm. um, a Native American boy who grows up playing hockey and how that affects his life. It's kind of like a sports novel, mm. which is like the exact opposite kind of book that I think I would like. But I loved it. And similar to this one, it talks about um, a Native American boy and the struggles he faces when he enters a space that's like primarily white dominated Mm -hmm. unlike this one this boy doesn't grow up on a reservation he grows up in an indian school which if you know anything about history like we're horrible places and Mm. like really really sad if you decide to read indian horse i will say i don't remember like everything exactly but off the top of my head there is a trigger warning for sexual assault of a minor so would recommend Mm -hmm. it's also on my bookshop as one of my general recommendations because I love it so much. Okay, great. I would recommend, I think, I don't know if I've recommended this before, but um, I did read it this year, There There by Tommy Orange. Um, This one is a novel that is told through the perspective of 10 different characters. That's a lot. And I know I talked about how it was a little confusing, but I still think it was like a very interesting novel, like fun to engage with for that reason, trying to connect all these different narratives and these very complex, like different backgrounds and lives they lead it. Cause the book focuses on urban Indians, um, which is a term for like native American and indigenous people that live in urban areas. So they don't, so they don't always have direct ties to like um, native American tribes, but like they sometimes do. So the novel explores the different ways that they engage with their heritages. It does have a lot of the same, same things, like different ways they have to get, navigate their identity, like in their community versus out the community or internal versus external. Fun facts, they're there. I read because my sister was reading it for her college, kind of college level high school class. So the curriculum is changing a little bit. Little bit. But speaking of things that we are reading, Laura, what are you reading right now? I'm currently reading, uh, as we discussed, Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. Also reading Autumn by Ali Smith. Uh, I don't really know how to describe that one. It's very trippy. And I enjoy it. And I'm also reading Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, I'm almost done with that. That's for a book club. Well, um, obviously we're part of the same book club, so I'm also reading Her Body and Other Parties. And I am also reading Loving Day by Matt Johnson, which I will never, ever, 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 ever finish. Wow, all right. I thought I was going to because I had like a week. Turns out that just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know what? We tried. I listened to a lot of books, but I did not re- do a whole lot of eye-using. I, I, like I said, I'm listening to Well-Read Black Girl by Glory Edom. And I will say, I'm really enjoying this because it's doing a really good job of articulating the importance of diverse representation in books. Because I, you know, you hear about Mm -hmm. how important it is, and you're like, oh yeah, like, I know that it's important, Mm -hmm. but it has like a bunch of interviews with black authors. And so it's been really interesting to hear other people articulate why it's important to them. So far, I would recommend. But, Laura, what were... The books that took you to the finish line of your reading goal. Tell me. Brought me to where I am today. Finished Anxious People by Frederick Bachman, one of my favorite authors. This book 
was strong in a lot of ways. Like, he's never done really, like, an ensemble story before. Well, actually, that's... Sorry. I'm gonna erase that. No, actually, keep it in. It's okay to make mistakes. (laughs) He has done ensemble things before. Um, But this one is, like, a lot more balanced, I feel like. And it's a non-linear narrative. Like, I didn't realize how much I enjoy that. Um, It jumps around. It, like, goes to the end and then back and forth. And he... It's a really... um, fun writing exercise and hidden information like he doesn't give you everything right away um, he doesn't tell you everything the characters know from the start he didn't tie up everything as well like with a bow as other books um but that's just something i've come to expect from him as an author so it doesn't really reflect i think on the book as much mm-hmm. when i first finished it i was like ah why did he tie this all up with a bow <laughs> um then i read sorcerer to the crown by zen cho it was my second time trying to read it and it was kind of boring for 80 percent of it and that's not a good yeah. sign but the ending was perfect so if you're reading it you just have to get to the end <laughs> and it's all See, that's the way i felt about like all the bright places which is mm. a book that i listened to like two years ago or something like that and i was like and you recommended it yeah because i like i hated it but then I realized, like, once I finished it at the very end, I was like, the only reason I care about this ending is because I had to go through the parts that I hated, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, this book, okay, pacing to me is very important in a book. We have, you know, well, you know, we have to be entertained. Yeah. Like, I cannot be bored by a book. Like, I will not last long. Well, I still haven't reached my goal, but I did hit 80, so that means I only have 20 left to go. Here we go, and I've, like, queued up a bunch of audiobooks that are only four hours long, each of them, so I'm really hoping to just freaking like, boom, 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 boom. Double time yeah, it. Unfortunately, I'm not one to Double enjoy time books. I just suck at that. That's not my thing. Yeah, it's not my thing to enjoy things. Um, things I read last time. Beastiary by Kei Ming Chong. Gotta say, didn't enjoy it. it Ooh. Was, I talked about this before, but it, with the language and, like, the tone that it set... I was just not always in the mood for. I think I would go back and read it again. But first time around, can't say it was my cup of tea. And then An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. I'm going to butcher all of these names. But uh, Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, The Vanishing Half by Brett Mm. Bennett. Daddy by Emma Klein, which is a collection of short stories. And I really like Emma Klein for her book, The Girls. This one, and I find this a lot Mm. when I'm reading short stories, like her body and other parties like short stories i get really disoriented reading like one after another after another and so sometimes mm, yeah it's really hard for me to enjoy them because most of the time like the first two or three pages i'm just disoriented and i have no idea what's going on because i'm still like in the mindset of the story before then and trying to situate myself so i think that's another one i'll have to return to um my sister the serial killer by oyakan brothwate I know I didn't say that right. Um, it did a really good job of making me invest in the characters. And by that, I mean, like, I kind of hated all of them. But, like, I didn't hate them because I think the author did a bad job. I hated them because I think the author did such a good job of presenting them that I was so invested that I was like, I hate all the choices you're making. Please stop mm. ruining your life. And then Hood Feminism, I finished by Mickey Kendall. And then I finished reading Belabored by Liz Lenz. And Liz Lenz... Uh, lives in Cedar Rapids. I've met yeah, her. Yeah, we both met her. Belabored talks a lot about uh, pregnancy in the U.S. and also motherhood and who's allowed to take part in motherhood and who is not by like societal standards. 
and it's super good. Like, I'm not pregnant, and I'm not planning on being a mother anytime soon, or maybe ever, but it's still, mm. I still, like, managed to give a crap about what I was reading about. It's a mix of, like, her own personal experiences and then a narrative about um, the history of pregnancy and motherhood in the U.S. So Interesting. And I'll never forget at the LGBTQIA+, presidential forum forum when joe biden was like yes. you're a sweetheart very sarcastically and she was like i'm just trying to ask the people the questions oh my I was god like, yes answer up little homie we've read all these books and our recommendations are going to appear on our bookshop laura talk about our bookshop yes Oh my god, okay, so bookshop.org is a... So similar to Amazon, it offers competitive prices, so like a little bit under the list price. But all these proceeds go to independent bookstores instead of Jeff yeah. Bezos. I'm looking at the website this very second, and so far, 8,256,169.68 cents has been raised for local bookstores. Um, so what does this have to do with us besides it being really cool? We have an affiliate bookshop page so if you go to our link which we'll put in our show notes um and you shop for books we get commission on any purchases you make um so that those commissions will go towards um the cost of upkeeping this podcast so um we would appreciate yeah any support that you can give us by checking this out and we can do this really cool thing where we make book lists so we have books that we've read for the podcast we have a list of books that we've recommended based on our podcast reads um general recommendations and ellie's uh, what is it called? A wish list and my own personal wish list. If you ever want to get us a little something nice, or if you just want to be cool yeah. like us, you can. Or if check you want to like look at our wish list, buy the books that we want, not give them to us, and then just read them and brag about it. You can do that and then email us. I would be so honored. Yeah. Or if it's bad, you should oh, tell yeah. us so we don't mm-hmm. like you know, waste our time. To do that, we have an email. It is readingnotreading at gmail dot com. So that's R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G. I think I... Yeah! yeah I think I got it. At you did it! <laughs> um, and then our Twitter is RedNotReadPod. So R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Freaking talk to us! <laughs> but speaking of time... I think it's time to end this podcast. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I've just, for some reason, I cannot remember how we say goodbye in these things. We. How do we freaking stop this train? We say goodbye (laughs) by telling our listeners to have a safe month. And also that the next book that we will be reading is. Go ahead, Laura. The Tale of Despero by Kate DeCamillo. So, have an excellent month of December and we'll see you at the end of that month. Right, Laura? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye.